which interestingly, actually Bavaria has a lot of similarities with Texas. Um, they kind of want to be their own country, kind of think they're different <laughs> a little bit better than the rest of Germany sometimes. <laughs> Everything's bigger in Bavaria. <laughs> and uh, they even have their own party, which is also kind of different than the rest of Germany. It's very beautiful there. And uh, if you want to hear more about where they come from or what their journey and their story is, you can talk to them. Um, they're really great people and they're actually on their way to go to the Philippines as missionaries. Good. Yes. I am here this morning to share a little bit about repentance. That's what John um, asked me to talk on and I'm actually really, really happy to talk about it because for me, repentance and being able and being called, being privileged to live a lifestyle of repentance is one of the biggest gifts one of the most joyful things in my walk with God. It's just, I'm so, so thankful that I have the ability not just to come to Jesus once, I'm a sinner, I pray the sinner's prayer, I turn the other way, and then I walk with him, but I actually have the chance every single day to become more like Jesus. Yeah. Like you do, every Christian does. Yeah. It's not about this one-time thing we somehow realize whatever way that Jesus is Lord and we want to follow him, that's great, but it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning of a great adventure, like Doug said, and it's only the beginning of being transformed throughout our whole lifetime, as long as we are here on earth, into the image of Jesus, to be his hands and his feet. And not just that, but to carry his nature, to carry his character. To be Jesus to our neighbor, to be Jesus to our co-worker, to be Jesus to our friends at school. And the way how we can step into that, the way how we can be true disciples, it has a lot to do with repentance. It has a lot to do with daily turning from our own ways, daily making a choice, an active choice. I'm not gonna, not gonna go after my own plans. <laughs> I'm not going to go after my own selfish ambitions or my own ideas, my own, my own flesh, you know. I'm not going to be unkind to that person. I'm not going to speak in half-truths or whatever it is, different things. But I choose you, Jesus. I choose your way. I choose your word. I choose your cross. It's not about, as Christians, it's not about becoming better people or being somehow the best version of ourselves that we can think of or that we can be. But it is about becoming like the lamb that was slain. Right. It is becoming like Jesus who came to give his life as a ransom for many. He didn't come to take. He didn't come to see who would be with me and what can I get out of all of this. But he came to lay down his life. He came to give. He came to serve. And that's our model, right? Yeah. That's how we want to live like. And repentance is so critical for our walk with Jesus. When we look at the Bible, when we look at um, Luke 3, verse 4 and 5, maybe you can put it on there, or 4 to 6, maybe you can um, put it on there. Luke 3, 4 to 6, yeah, you can open your Bibles if you have them with you. Salvation of our God. Amen. Amen. 
So before Jesus could come to the earth, when he first came, the message of repentance went out throughout the whole land. And that was needed for Jesus to come. And Jesus made it very clear in this scripture and all throughout the New Testament that we cannot see, we cannot enter, we cannot live in the kingdom of God unless we repent. And again, that's not just a one-time thing, but it's a daily life, it's a daily walk. Without repentance, it's impossible to see and to experience and to live in the kingdom of God. That's right. But when we repent, heaven comes down. (laughs) When we repent, heaven unfolds right where you are because the kingdom is inside of you. It's not just some outward thing that happens around you or at church, but the kingdom of God wants to manifest and unfold in and through your life. And you can be a channel of that if you live and embrace this message of repentance. It's crucial, it's critical for the kingdom of God to come here on earth. And we can pray all day long, God send revival, (laughs) let your kingdom come, let heaven fall. We can pray it all day, all night long. We can all the time speak about revival and say how much we want to see it in Texas and in San Marcos and in America. I'm I'm fully with you, (laughs) fully with you there. I pray for that all the time. I really want to see it. That's That's what I came here for, all the way from Germany. Because I really believe in that with my whole heart. And we can pray and talk about it as long as we want if we do not fulfill the criteria that Jesus set for us, which is repent. 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 For the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God wants to unfold. The kingdom of God wants to crash in through you where you are. In your church, in your university, at your workplace, in your family. But do you embrace this message of repentance? Do you embrace this lifestyle of repentance? Repentance was the only way to receive Jesus. So it was at Jesus' first coming, and so it will also be at his second coming. Do you believe that? Yeah. I believe that. Jesus drew his first disciples from the ranks of John the Baptist's followers. So the disciples that he drew to himself, they were part of a movement of repentance. And at his second coming, Jesus will look for people with the same spirit. Right now, he's looking for people with the same spirit who cry out, Abba, Father, make me ready. Make me ready. Make me clean. Make me pure. I want to be your bride. I want to be ready for your return. I want to be spotless. I want to be blameless. Because that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people with a sincere heart who follow him radically. And he's looking on a corporate level, on a bigger level, for his bride without wrinkles, without spots, right? That's what the word says. Yes. So that's really what we're here for. That's really what Jesus wants to do inside of us. And in these times that we live in, that are very, very special, not just in America, it's a very special time in America. It's a great privilege for me to be here during this time um, and to stand with you and to believe with you, to pray with you for the future and the destiny, really, the godly destiny of this nation. But it's also a very interesting time worldwide and we see so many ancient biblical prophecies for Israel and other nations being fulfilled right in front of our eyes. If we look into the news, If we study, if we talk to people from other nations, we see it's crazy how things that the Bible speaks about are unfolding right in front of our eyes. Amen. Just last year, we went through the book of Daniel very intensely. Basically, took us the whole year to study, especially the end time prophecies of Daniel. And it's amazing once you go a little bit deeper how the things are actually happening. They're actually happening. And... As these things are happening and as we are headed for Jesus' return, which is close, Jesus, and not just Jesus, but all heaven and all earth, all earth and heaven waits for us to repent. That's when Jesus will come back. He will come back when we're ready. He will come back for a pure and spotless bride that is 
fixed on him, all attention on him, hearts fully devoted, fully yielded to him, to our lover, to our bridegroom. So repentance really ushers in the kingdom of God personally in our lives and corporately in our churches and in our cities and in our nations. And um, I just wanted to share a few examples. I will also speak a little bit more about what repentance actually means and what it actually looks like. But I wanted to share a few examples from my own life how I would say the Holy Spirit taught me about repentance just personally in my own life. I'm sure you have your own examples and testimonies but so that it becomes a little more practical. Uh, the first thing that I can remember when I was just thinking about it the last few days, how how did the Holy Spirit, how did Jesus teach me about repentance? The first thing that I can remember is, I think I was around six or seven years old, and in Germany we have a holiday that is called Nikolaus. I know you don't have that here. We only have it in Germany, I think. But it's on the 6th of December, and it's kind of in preparation for Christmas and all that. And so, as a children, you go to bed on the 5th in the evening, you wake up in the morning of the 6th, and in front of your door there will be a boot or a big shoe or something filled with all kinds of candy waiting for you. That, that's yeah. on December 6th. It's a nice holiday. <laughs> I like it. And so um, I woke up that morning and me and I have two siblings, a younger sister and a younger brother. We all got lots of candy, even an extra plate of our favorite candy and goodies and things that we really liked. And I always kind of had a sweet tooth, so I went to see what my sister and my brother had on their plate. And then I saw, oh, well, they actually got some, and I think even a few more, of my favorite cookies. <laughs> so, um, didn't like that as much. <laughs> and I really loved these cookies. I really wanted to have some more of them. And so what I did is I went to them when nobody was looking, and I just stole, I took, my favorite cookies from their plates. And um, these were really big cookies so everybody could see it. And so my mom, when she found out, when she saw that, she came to me and asked me, hey Marisha, do you know where these cookies went? And I knew I couldn't lie. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I, I took them, I'm sorry. And she said, it's good that you're sorry, but you stole. You stole. And so you have to think about how you can make that right. You have to take responsibility. You have to repent to your sister and to your brother because it's really not okay. And so she said, go into your room. It was not like a punishment or so, but it was actually her trusting my relationship with the Holy Spirit, believing that God will speak to me. Go into your room for 10, 15 minutes and pray. Ask the Holy Spirit how you can make it right, what you should do in this situation. And so I went into my room, I just prayed, and I didn't have to pray long. <laughs> right after the first or second minute, I don't know, the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly to me. And it may seem like such a, such a small thing, you know, such a childish thing because I was so young, but it was one of the first, most crucial things that I remember in my work with God of the Holy Spirit speaking to me sovereignly, piercing my heart. And he said to me, and I, it sounds so simple, maybe it sounds so, oh, you could have thought about that on yourself, of yourself, but I would never have had this idea, I can promise you. I would never have had this idea. And the Holy Spirit showed to me how you can make it right and what you should actually do in this situation is take all of your candy on your plate and separate it and share it with your brother and your sister. So just fill their plates with your own candy and go and apologize. And I did. <laughs> very simple, very small situation but a very important moment for me of teaching what it means to live a lifestyle of repentance, what it means to live a life in the light. Another example, um, also in regards to my family, I grew up in a family that was Christian and my parents really loved God and we were always very immersed in sh sharing life with other people and doing all those things, it was amazing. I really saw the power of God move around me on an everyday basis when I was young. But of course there were also things in our relationships, in our family, that were not so good or that were not so right. No family is perfect. No family will ever be perfect. <laughs> and so we hurt each other over the years. We hurt each other, there were some problems, some offenses, some also really deep 
hurt in our relationships. Nobody wanted to hurt the other person, but it just happens, it just happens, right? I mean, yep. even if you don't want to, it will always happen. And so at some point we were all a little bit older and we really felt as a family that God is highlighting our relationships and that we should not just move on like this and we would not fight necessarily or so, but God really spoke to us all individually, hey, there's more for your relationships. There's more for your unity as a family. I want you not just for, I don't want just for you that you somehow get along and you somehow like each other, but I really want you to display the unity that I, the Father, and the Holy Spirit have. And there are things between you that need to be dealt with. And so we came together, we took some time. We all lived in different cities, my sister, my brother, and me. We all took time, took a weekend, drove back home to our parents, and we took a whole weekend actually. And all we did is we just sat in our living room and we confessed our sins to each other. Wow. We confessed, hey, this is where you really hurt me. This is where I have not forgiven you. This is what I'm still holding against you. I'm so sorry. This is what I did wrong. I know it's like really long ago and I was a child and I wasn't even aware of it, but still I have to take responsibility. Yeah. It was not right. I sinned against you. I'm sorry. And there were many, many tears. <laughs> that were said and it was so deep it was so powerful because as we repent like i said heaven draws near amen as we repent the holy spirit is like a magnet he's attracted he comes with his presence as we repent the kingdom of god unfolds healing happens yeah. forgiveness happens joy can flow in again reconciliation even where it's so hard and where you've tried everything to come together with the other person something supernatural happens when you start to take responsibility to own your sin to stand up to it and to confess it and we experienced that and it brought a whole completely different level to our relationships as a family it has been different completely different ever since ever since God really instilled his love into us for each other and it was so powerful we washed each other's feet and prayed for each other and it was really really amazing <laughs> that's another example um one more example is one thing that i was really dealing with or battling with in my own life for a long time I can remember it going back into my early childhood was speaking kind of half truths you know what i'm talking about <laughs> You maybe wouldn't necessarily say that you're lying, but you're kind of leaving something out to maybe be seen in a better light, or you exaggerate, or you just don't say anything at all because you think it's not that important, the other person didn't even ask me. But actually, that's lying. Like back then when I was a child and I took those cookies from my siblings, and my mom said, Marisha, you didn't just take them, you stole them. It's the same with not speaking the truth. I'm not just not speaking the truth. I'm not just leaving something out. I'm actually lying. Yeah. I'm a liar. And so I really made a decision, a conscious decision at some point in my life. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I don't want that in my life anymore. I stood up to it and I said, no more. I'm going to confess. I'm going to bring it into the light every time it happens, as long as there's breakthrough, Amen. as long as I'm free of it. No matter how long it takes, if it takes months, if it takes years, I don't care. I don't want to tolerate any sin in my life because it separates me from God. Sin separates us from God. Like, no matter how small, no matter how big it seems, no matter if you're the only one who sees it or if everyone around you notices that you're kind of a rude person or whatever, sin separates you from God. And because of that, it also separates you from your siblings, from your sisters, from your brothers. And so I did that, I made this decision, and I can tell you it was really painful because it was so humiliating and I felt so ashamed Everything, every time that I somehow was dealing with that and I somehow spoke something out and I left something or I maybe even lied sometimes and I had to go to the person because I made that decision, I made that commitment to myself and I think to my mom, I said it to her too, and I knew I have to deal with it, I knew I have to confess it, I have to bring it into the light. But you know what happened? I became free of it. Amen. I became completely free of it. Completely free of it. It was not just gone in a moment through a prayer, someone laying hand on me or whatever, but through me confessing my sin, not just hiding it in the dark, but pulling.
putting it into the line and saying, that's my sin, that's me. But Jesus, you died for that. That's right. yeah. You gave your life for that. That's good. And I put it on the cross. Yeah. I put it on the cross of Calvary. Through that, I became free of it. I can say I'm not dealing with it anymore today. <laughs> and it's really amazing. So much joy that comes with it. So much joy that comes with repentance. So much joy that comes with confession. Because it brings freedom. It brings freedom. And I want to tell you this morning where you are bound, maybe in some area of your life. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're dealing with porn. Maybe you're dealing with some kind of addiction. Maybe you're dealing with lying. Maybe you're dealing with an unkind attitude towards your co-workers or whatever it is. Whatever it is. There's freedom. There's freedom for you. There's full freedom for you. We are called to live free of sin. That's what the Bible says. We are called to live holy as He is holy. And the way is through repentance. Amen? One more example so, is when it came to hidden intentions of my heart, hidden things that, you know, nobody would see it on the outside. Nobody, it wouldn't be visible to the outside, but I knew there's a fear of leaders inside of me sometimes. Or I knew I was jealous towards that other person. <laughs> things that are so deep that maybe you're even not aware of it yourself. Nobody else sees it, but it's there. And you realize somehow keeping you bound and again the way to freedom can be someone praying with you and standing with you for sure I totally believe in that but the way of freedom that Jesus made possible through the cross is you owning your sin is you owning your attitude is you owning your motives is you owning your lifestyle and confessing Jesus it doesn't line up with yours it doesn't line up with your word it doesn't line up with who you are. And I come to you as a sinner, saved by grace, I repent, I confess, and I turn the other way. And Jesus actually calls us to repent. He calls us to a lifestyle of repentance because our love means so much to him. It's very important to know it's not in any way about some legalism or now I check off that box, okay, I have to confess when I did something wrong. No, that's not what it is about. It's very important to keep God's laws, to keep the Ten Commandments and all that. But we're living in the New Testament. We're living under covenant of grace. Sorry. <laughs> like John just said earlier. And Jesus calls you into this lifestyle because your love is so precious to him. And that's what you do when you repent. You say, Jesus, I love you more than those things. Jesus, I love you more. I love you more than that shame. I love you more than those things that keep me bound. Even though it's maybe more comfortable back here, I've grown so used to it, I kind of think it's even my identity. I love you more. I love you more, Jesus. You're more important to me. And there's, I would say, hardly anything else that we can do to express our love to Jesus as much as when we truly repent. We truly turn around. We truly choose the other way. We truly let his light pierce our heart. His truth pierce our innermost being. Because love is not done in words. Love is done in action. We can stay in church and sing, as long as we want to, Jesus, I give you everything. <laughs> what he does is he looks at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He looks at how we deal with other people. He looks at the heart. Men see what's on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Amen. He sees everything anyway. <laughs> he sees everything anyway. And actually, Hebrews...
As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Pretty strong words. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? It's the word of God. And there is no authentic Christian life for ourselves and also to the outside without repentance. That's not possible. Otherwise, we're just like the Pharisees just like the religious, saying one thing, but actually kind of living another way. And looking at the religious people, it always gives me such a warning, it always gives me somehow such a holy fear and trembling because they thought they do everything right. They were not thinking they somehow don't follow Jesus and walk their own ways, they thought they do everything right. They thought they fulfill every law that God gave us. They thought they are the most righteous. They thought and did it also. We commit so much time to prayer. We commit so much time to the word. We go to church every Sunday, but still Jesus didn't want to have anything to do with them. He rebuked them much more sternly than he rebuked any sinner because Jesus actually came for sinners. He's a friend of sinners. And he said, not those who are righteous, not those who think they have it all together need me, but I came for those who are sick. I came for those who need no, who know they need a doctor. Do you know that you need a doctor? Do you know that you need Jesus? Or have you kind of grown cold? I'm sure that everyone that's in here gave his life to Jesus and um, made him Lord of our lives, of your life at some point. But it can happen so easily that then we walk our own way. We try to be a good Christian. We try to do what is necessary. We try to grow, but actually our heart kind of grows cold. Actually, we don't really follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit and the things of his word in our daily life. Or we don't even hear it anymore because we've shut it off for so long. And what marks a disciple more than anything else is a burning heart. It's a burning heart for Jesus. A heart that is consumed with his love. And a heart that loves him with everything that we are. Not just with our words, with our daily deeds and actions. What is really important when it comes to repentance, just saying three very short things that we're all on the same page. The first thing that is really important when it comes to repentance is that I know and believe in the power of the cross. Because it's not through my confession that I'm freed. It's not through my realizing I have done wrong that I'm healed or that I'm forgiven. It's through the cross. It's through what Jesus did. It's through his life given as a ransom for many. It's through his body being sacrificed, being beaten, being tortured, being killed, so that you can live in freedom and wholeness. So that you can live as children of light, not having anything to do with the darkness. That's what he redeemed you for. And we have to know that the cross is a place, not just where we come and we bring all our stuff and we put it all down and then we leave, but it's actually a place of exchange. We bring him our sin, we bring him our sickness, we bring him our evil nature and we go through the cross and receive who he is. We receive forgiveness, we receive healing, we receive his nature. Another thing that is really important when it comes to repentance is, and I already kind of mentioned it, we have to name sin as sin. Because Jesus didn't die for excuses. Jesus did not die for excuses. He died for sin. So if you want him to forgive you, you have to confess that you're sin. You have to confess that you're a sinner. Like in my case, not just saying I kind of didn't really tell the truth, but I lied. Actually, I'm a liar. Jesus, I need you. (laughs) 
That's what he died for. So we have to be very clear, very precise with sin. And the third thing, and I'm just saying this because I realize that in some places there's a different teaching, a different preaching. It's not here. You are under really good teaching, and I know this is not being preached here. But there's a lot of, under, a lot of people who kind of think that repentance is just changing what you believe. You know, that's, have you ever heard that? I don't know. I've, I've heard it many times, especially since coming to Austin. And repentance is just, you just change what you believe. You just accept the truth of God and then, you know, that's what repentance is. But it's not what repentance is according to the Bible. The Bible makes it very clear. Repentance is a change of your mind, but it's also a change of action. That's right. It's to turn the other way, again, through the cross, to live differently once we confessed it, once we brought it into the light. It cannot cling to us anymore. The power is lost. The grip of sin is lost, but we have to live different. Very, very important. And again, the fruit of repentance. I don't know what you have been taught or what kind of comes up in your mind when you hear about that, but the fruit of repentance always is joy. It always is freedom through forgiveness. It always is love and belonging because only a father would discipline you. Only a father would correct you. And it's always wholeness and healing. I actually believe that nowadays so many people that are bound to sickness or even possessed by demons and they go to counseling after counseling and deliverance after deliverance but what they really need is to confess their sins. What they really need is repentance because repentance brings wholeness. Through repentance healing, the healing power of the cross is released and it always brings new life. The life of heaven. And spiritually alive, we spark life in others. That's just what happens. (laughs) And also through repentance, and only through repentance, we can be effective witnesses of Christ. Because if we say one thing, but then live another way, there will be no power. There will be no power. We won't see those things that Jesus promised that will follow his believers. Demons cast out the sick here, the dead, that race, and all that. It's very connected. And at the first coming of Jesus, I already shared that the message of repentance, John the Baptist, as the forerunner of Jesus was released, and only that is how Jesus could come, and only that is how Jesus could be received. But also, again, at the first coming of Jesus, it was the religious who resisted the call to repent. And in the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, God called those to repentance that were so sure of their rightness. His one question in those letters to the seven churches always is how people will respond. And very sadly, he had to say, still they did not repent. (coughs) Remember what Jesus said to the church at Sardis in Revelation 3 verse 1. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. To be spiritually alive is to walk in repentance. To be spiritually alive is to walk in repentance. Dead are only those Christians who are never sorry for their sins. Dead in God's eyes are those Christians who have lost the capacity for the overflowing joy of forgiveness. And if this is missing, a lifestyle of repentance in our daily lives with God before God and also before each other, because the Bible says confess your sins to God and to each other, If that's missing, something really, really important is missing, no matter how committed we seem in our work with God. Because actually repentance is the foundation on which everything else is built. And if the foundation is not there, storms will come, and whatever we build on top of that foundation will crash. And it never stops, like right now, I shared with you some examples from my childhood and when I was younger, but right now, I realize that God is showing me, Marisha, you have kind of, I have not really lost it, but kind of you really had a different burden for the lost a few years ago. You were much more praying for people to get saved. You were much more expecting me to move and to radically change and transform people. You were on your knees, you were crying, you were weeping for those people, also especially here in Austin, in Texas. 
And I realized I kind of, kind of lost the urgency a little bit, kind of lost the fervent, the, the desire, this, you know, this passion. And God doesn't tell me to condemn me. He never does. He's my father. He loves me. But he's telling me that because he has more for me. And he wants me to live in his fullness. Yeah. And he wants me to bring fruit. He wants to see people come through him, come to faith through my life. Amen. And I'm realizing that right now. And I can just justify myself and say, you know, God, yeah, I kind of had that, but now every text and tells me that anyway, a Christian, so <laughs> kind of makes sense that I don't have it that strong anymore. When I go to Walmart and see people that are sick and I ask them if I can pray for them and tell them Jesus heals them, I hear from people, you know, honey, I'm anyway a Christian, you don't need to pray for me. <laughs> so, don't you understand it, God? <laughs> that I kind of don't have it anymore? Don't you see, I have so many other things to do. But if I do that, I'm like the religious. If I do that, I'm like the Pharisees. And actually, my response as a disciple is to say, yes, Jesus, you're right. Yes, I embrace that truth, I embrace that conviction, I embrace that light me in the innermost being. I repent of having lost it. I repent of having been busy with other things. Come. Come with it again. I seek you. I, I, I want it. Admitting that I've lost something. Admitting that I'm wrong. Admitting that I somehow went off course maybe a little bit. So important. And my last point, what I want to share, that is also very important, I think, especially for the times that we are in worldwide and also in America. We do not just repent for our own sakes, but there's much more at stake. There's much more at stake. In a world that is headed for destruction, we as believers, we have responsibility for how it will go on with our nation, for how it will go on with the human race at large. And I would really say the, the course of this world, the course of humanity, depends on whether we repent or not. It starts with our own sins, but that's only the start. Yeah. It always has to be the foundation, it always has to, has to be a daily walk, but Jesus also calls us, and there are many biblical examples, to identify with the sins of our nation, to take responsibility. To not just say, they have done that, people that walk without you have done that, but I'm not like that. But to say, we have sinned. God, we have done wrong. We have committed evil. We have done wickedness. Forgive us. And there are national sins. And it's really important that we see them in the light of Jesus. And I believe it's a window of grace right now where we have two choices. We can either say, well, you know, those people, America at large or whatever is going into destruction or is doing something wrong and I'm kind of here and I'm praying for them, but I don't really have anything to do with it. Or we can run into the arms of our Father with mourning, with weeping, repenting. And His grace will always come if you do that always and the course of our nation will change because of your prayer yeah. wow. i wanted to share um just quickly about germany where i come from um because also that's what pastor john actually also asked me to mention today um germany and i say this not because i'm german but it's really many people have told me that um that they see it like this or think about it like this, that there's no other nation actually worldwide that has repented as deep as Germany. In regards to the Second World War, in regards to the Holocaust, and there's maybe also no other nation that has committed so much evil and so much horror, especially towards God's people like Germany. Back then, it's a long time ago, but God takes us into responsibility for those things, even if we didn't live them. I don't want to give a history lesson here, I don't want to get political, 
But we Germans, I mean, we killed six million Jews. God's people, God's holy and chosen people. 11 million, all in all, because during the Holocaust, there was not just the Jewish people that we killed, but also um, disabled people, homosexuals, other groups, minorities. And so, I mean, I cannot think of another nation that would be as deep in the need for repentance as Germany. And we did. We did. In many ways, the church, afterwards, after so many years of not looking, of neglecting, of being manipulated, of, you know, even in the name of church, committing such sin, committing such horror and evil, we took responsibility. Our politicians. And in many ways, even still today, we learn about it all the time in Germany, all the time. Growing up in, in, in school, it was kind of already getting annoying because every year, again and again, in history lessons and politics lessons and all, we would always look back at the Holocaust and what Hitler did and how we can live different. How we can make sure that this does not happen again. Our teachers always wanted to make sure that we understand how it could come that way, how a whole nation could be so manipulated. And yeah, we visited a lot of the concentration camps and all these different things. And um, there are national sins, I believe, in regards to our past, where it's important that we take responsibility as believers. There's also national sins, just when it comes to our culture, that God wants us to see clearly and to see them under the light of his word. For instance, I realized, especially moving to Texas, already before, but especially moving to Texas, wow, Germans are really, really negative. Always complaining <laughs> about the weather, about the politics, about the neighbor, about whatever. Always such a negative attitude and complaining. And I can't just say, well, that's my culture, that's kind of how I've grown up, that's kind of a weakness. Or I can say, actually, looking at the word of God, that's sin. Yeah. And I separate myself from that. Jesus, I ask for forgiveness. I repent as a German of these attitudes. And I walk the other way. Yes. There's a quote that I want to read from someone um, her name is Basilea Schlink. I don't know if you know her. She's actually, was well, actually she's dead now, but she was the founder and the leader of a community in Germany that was born through repentance after the Second World War. And she says, from repentance flows a stream of new life from God, more wonderful than we can begin to imagine. All true joy, all power and authority in our ministry for the kingdom of God spring from a life lived under the blessing of repentance as we admit our sins and sincerely ask forgiveness of God and those around us. Let us give everything, everything for this gift and keep praying for it with all our hearts while submitting to his discipline. And Thomas, maybe you can come up and share your testimony when it comes to repentance and how God Thank you, Marisha. I wrote down what I was going to say because I come from a place of weakness, not strength in this area. The idea of repentance, typically the reaction in my heart is fear and resistance. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. I've learned the most about personal repentance from my wife, Amy. Exactly 17 years ago, Palm Sunday weekend, 2004, she was yelling at me in our backyard. Now this is very unusual. We rarely ever, just in our relationship, raise our voices to one another. But this was the culmination of two years of her trying to get me to see the damage that my sin was causing her soul. I believed that I was right and she was wrong. 
I spent nights awake, I don't know if any of you have this experience in my mind, justifying my words and actions to myself. I was serving God and that was more important. Do you know what she said that finally broke through on that loud weekend? Thomas, I'm yelling at you because I love you. I am for you and I believe in you. I just don't want you to hurt me while you follow God. That day, Amy taught me that repentance is intimacy, which is exactly what Jesus said and what Marisha has said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. I also learned that pride is deception. Because when I repented and apologized to her, which was a process that actually took many years, and in some ways is still ongoing, I was not lowered in her eyes like I thought I would be. But her honor of me increased. We are now engaged in ministry together that wouldn't have been possible if I had not repented. And this is a good lesson for me to revisit today because I'm currently engaged in the process of repentance again, having recently been confronted by a dear friend on the ways that I have hurt him. So thank you, Marisha, for your words this morning. I'm confident that like me, there are many listening to this message whose hearts are being pierced. And we are most familiar with this type of personal repentance, as hard as it is, right? <laughs> but as Marisha just said, and I wrote this without knowing what she was gonna say, the people of God have the opportunity also to step into the place of identificational repentance. What does this mean? This means identifying with our people who have sinned rather than distancing ourselves from them. So one example of this from the Bible comes in Nehemiah chapter one. Nehemiah prays to God. This is what he says. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Another example comes in Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel prays, We have sinned and done wrong. We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Now, if you read on in Nehemiah, if you read on in Daniel, as just as Marisha said, the kingdom of God comes. <laughs> after these prayers. So what might identificational repentance look like today? Well, I'm thinking of my friend Verena Long. Verena is a Catholic who lives in Austria. On May 3rd, 2010, Verena was standing with her friend Hannah Miley in front of a gate in Kelmo, Poland. Now Hannah is a German Jew. And this gate was the entrance to the very spot where Hannah's parents had been killed by Nazis exactly 68 years before, on May 3rd, 1942. Verena is kneeling. She is weeping and weeping. You see, Verena's father was a leading Nazi in Salzburg. So here is the daughter of a Nazi embracing the daughter of Jews who were killed by the Nazis. Verena is repenting. She is saying, I and my fathers have sinned, just like Nehemiah, and just like Daniel did, and just like Marisha just did. And in Hannah's book, Hannah describes the forgiveness and healing that flowed forth from that moment. Only in Jesus 
is this possible? Yep. And in Jesus, this is possible. Yeah. This is good news. And this also is good for us, us here today to consider. Here's one example of why I say this. And as my pastor of my church might say at this moment, I'm beginning to meddle a little. I believe God is offering the United States an opportunity to repent for a national sin. Amen. Now we Americans don't like the idea of national sin. We like to be the heroes. We like to be the get reminded of our moment of glory in our nation's history, of which there are very many. But this is an opportunity to repent of one of our national sins, and I think there are many, as we let the Lord speak to us. The one I'm speaking about in particular is slavery. We've had many opportunities, I believe, as a nation to repent of this, and for the most part, have passed up on all of them. So God is graciously granting us another chance. What I hear God saying to the United States right now is what Amy said to me in the backyard 17 years ago. I'm yelling at you because I love you. But many of us white Christians are covering our ears and I wanna really include myself here because my ancestors owned slaves and fought for the South. So this gives me the ability, like Nehemiah, like Daniel, like Verena, the opportunity to step into that place of identificational repentance and say, I and my fathers have sinned. What would national repentance look like? Well, we have much to learn in the United States from our brothers and sisters in Germany. As Marisha just said, how has the nation of Germany responded to the humiliation of defeat at the end of World War II? With denial? With distancing? No, not either one. The German government pays millions of euros each year to maintain and keep open the memorials where the, where the concentration camps were so that its citizens and school children as well as visitors from around the world can see with their own eyes what happened. The German followers of Jesus that I am privileged to know are not held in bondage of shame to these historical events. They have clear-eyed honesty about the sins of their nation. And when they have a chance to repent, especially to the Jewish people, they are quick to express remorse and repentance. For the sins of their fathers. So once again, I want to express my gratitude to you, Marisha, for your nation and for your people. And I'll include also Werner and Karin. Thank you. Thank you for coming to Texas to live among us and bring us this much needed message of repentance. I've said this to many people in the last year. I'll say it again. I believe repentance is the only way forward for us as a nation. I believe repentance is the only way forward for us as the church. And as Marisha has said so beautifully, repentance is the only way forward for us as individual followers of Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of God is very near. there are people here, both in this room and watching on the live stream, maybe even listening to the recording or watching the recording later. The Holy Spirit is upon you. Now we like it when the Holy Spirit is on us and it's 
gushy and flowing. Oh, so good. But Jesus said very clearly, the Holy Spirit, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is conviction. And so I don't know for each of us where we are right now as we as we stand, but the Holy Spirit does. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I'm sure there are people here who are feeling resistance. I want to encourage you. Actually, this is a good thing. If you feel resistance, it means there's an impetus to change. You're not quite ready to go there. But the Holy Spirit will take you gently. He never forces. He's so gracious. There are others here, I know, others who are listening, who are just right now yielding. It's like, it's like the Holy Spirit just opened up place in your life and you've never quite understood why there wasn't growth there or why there was always difficulty. The Holy Spirit is saying, this is why. It's so simple. Repent. For the kingdom of God is near. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift my hand here because the Holy Spirit has been touching me me. There's resistance in my heart, there's fear in my heart, and there's a knowledge that I have to walk this path that Jesus has called us all to walk. If you are feeling the Holy Spirit upon you in his ministry of conviction, I just encourage you to lift up your hand. Something to do to just say, here I am, I'm, I'm on the journey. Repentance is a process. I don't have to do everything right now, but to say yes to God, to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's nothing like it. Resist the devil, draw near to God. The devil will flee and God will draw near to you. So that one little movement of your heart right now of resisting the voice of the enemy and taking one small step towards God. The enemy has fled. In the name of Jesus and the Father has drawn near and so your little movement just changed everything before you were close to the enemy hearing his lies now he's far and the Father is near so I just speak over you the blessings of God the Father who disciplines the ones he loves Father we can receive your love by receiving discipline. How does this work? We're so not good at this. We so need your help. But we want every aspect of your love. We don't want to turn our faces away from any part of the love of God. We want it all. So we say to you today, thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you for the joy of repentance. Thank you for the hope of repentance, there is hope. Lord, for my nation, I love the United States of America with such a calling from God upon it, such a rich history of your hand being upon and moving through our nation and blessing the world. I'm jealous to see the United States of America step into her destiny fully, fully, so I pray, I just stand before you as one from a nation that has sinned. We and our people have sinned. I and my fathers have sinned. And I bring this to the cross. Where else can we go with this sin? It's too heavy. What else can we do? It's too complicated. So we just bring it to the cross. Jesus. We bring you the sins of our lives, our families, and our nations. And we thank you for repentance. We thank you for healing. We thank you that the kingdom of God is near to us. I want to encourage you. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been speaking throughout the service and is speaking right now about specific things. 
Maybe specific things in your own life where he's calling you out of. Maybe you kind of downplayed them, compromised, but he's shining his light. He's inviting you into his arms. He's inviting you into his truth. He's inviting you into his fullness of freedom. And I want to encourage you as things come to you, even right now, Holy Spirit, as you're speaking, I release those things. I release revelation. I release inside clear situations, clear things in your heart that maybe you don't even know they're there. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking. Thank you for shining your light. Thank you for shining your truth. I encourage you to deal with it quickly and radically. If there's anyone here in this building that you realize that I actually need to forgive, I need to repent, I need to own my sin, I need to own my attitude. I want to encourage you not to leave this building before doing that. Something else came to your mind, another relationship or something in your own lifestyle that maybe that no one even sees. Write it down when you come home and deal with it quickly, deeply, thoroughly. Also, I fear that God is really raising up and calling forth messengers of reconciliation this morning. Messengers of reconciliation. And I release that calling. If you want that, you can lift your hand. Give God a sign. I want to be that. I want to be a messenger of reconciliation in this time, in my nation. I release the grace and the gift of repentance. I release the grace and the gift of tears. And I call you forth as a messenger of his kingdom for this time, for this nation, so that he can come back.
God, I'll highlight one person on that prayer team that I know God wants me to go to for prayer. And usually is the case, somebody beats me to it. So just wait, right? It doesn't hurt. But anyway, let's do the Lord's Prayer together as a church body, as a family. Before we do that, let's just thank God for visiting with us today. Father God, I just thank you for the deep work you've done in Thomas that enabled him to share the deep work that you've done in the, the nation of Germany where they've repented of their national sins. And many of those people are not born again. And this was just an amazing thing that needed to happen and needs to continue to happen. Thank you for the prophetic word to us, the word of correction and rebuke. As Americans, we receive it. We need to repent, not only of slavery, but for segregation that followed that, for even ongoing things that are going on. We need to repent of that stuff. And like Thomas said, it's one of our sins. There's other ones. But thank you for the deep work today, how you kind of came in the side door and got our attention this morning. We're grateful. We're very, very grateful for this. Man could not have done this. Only God could have done it. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. Let it go out. And if you need prayer, come on up and let's do that. Amen.